Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 tonight. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. You may be interested to know, Arise, that our, our podcast is currently under the, you know, the kind of Christian section. I think it's called Religion and Spirituality. Is trending at the moment number one in the nation of New Zealand, which is pretty awesome. And overall, all the podcasts, like every category in New Zealand, we are currently trending number four, which I think is pretty unbelievable, isn't it? Come on. And so if you walk out of the service and just subscribe to it and download a couple, then you will help us get, oh, it wouldn't be great if we get nationally to number one. That would be just awesome. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, if you are there, shout, I am. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. If there is one drink I love more than any other drink, it has to be coffee. Coffee is God's drink. I heard one pastor recently say that coffee is the communion wine of the 21st century. And I immediately wanted to say amen for two reasons. It's not that cool for a pastor to drink a lot of wine. And number two, I love coffee. I love coffee. It was invented, discovered by monks who used it to aid meditation on God's word. Hundreds of years later, every morning you'll find me in our family room at home making myself a nice hot cup of coffee and sitting down to meditate on God's Word. It works. Coffee is God's drink. I love good coffee and I hate bad coffee. Good coffee will be served in heaven and bad coffee will go to the other place. Along with those who... No, 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 I better better pull up. If you're going to make yourself a great cup of coffee, a great cup of coffee begins with good beans. You have to pick the right beans. Not rubbish beans, you need to get them fresh, you know, mojo beans, people's beans, people's coffee beans, you know, whatever your flavour is. But you've got to get nice fresh beans. Once you've got nice fresh beans, the next step towards a great shot of coffee or the beginning of a flat white or long black, whatever your drink is, then the next stage is the grind. You take the beans and you put the beans inside 
excuse me, your grinder. The grinder is then turned on and through the grinder goes the coffee beans and out comes the coffee grind. It's deep, I know. You don't use a bad grinder because if you use a bad grinder, then it will take the oil, the nectar, the godlike part of the coffee and will spread it around the outside of your grinder rather than putting it through and remaining in your coffee grind. The next stage in this grand voyage into coffee is to take the coffee grind, place it into a puck, grab a tamper, which is another word for a, a thingy doofer. Put the thing you do for on top of the tamper and compact it down. The reason for the compacting is so that the water as it goes through doesn't just rush through and therefore miss removing the nectar. Once you've got the coffee all tampered up and it's ready to go, you then place your puck inside the coffee, you know, what a machine thingy, what's it called? The shot, the deal, the thing. You put it inside the machine and then once the tamper is inside it, you turn on the button. When the button goes on, then the water begins to move through the coffee. It's not boiling water. It's not 100 degrees. It's 95 degrees so that the water passes through without burning the water because burning is what happens in the other place. (laughs) The water makes its way through the coffee and as it goes through the coffee grind, it removes from the particles of coffee, the oil, the nectar, the goodness. Every huger knows what I mean when I say, get the goodness. We're talking about coffee. The water goes through the puck, removes the oil from the coffee and passes through into your cup of coffee. Have you ever noticed that when you first turn on a shot of coffee and the the water begins to come out the bottom, it it comes out in that thick, rich, dark colour as it passes its way into the glass. It looks dark, it it looks rich, it looks thick. And if you turn the machine off right at that very moment when you've just got a a little few millimetres of coffee in your cup, you can take it and if you drink it, it tastes sweet to the taste. There's no bitterness. There's no harshness to the, to, if you've got the right beans and you ground it right and you've done it right and turned it off quickly. It's almost like when you have that kind of 98% cocoa chocolate. You ever had that? It's really, really, really dark. It's not sweet chocolate, but it's not bitter chocolate. It's just deep chocolate. Then coffee tastes a little bit like that. But what most people do, if you ever buy a cup of coffee, and when you buy it, the person that's making your cup of coffee turns the button on to let the water turn through, and they turn around. If you ever see that happen, then you turn around and walk out of that shop, because if they don't watch the coffee, they don't love coffee. Let me tell you why. Because if you let the water pass through for too long, then your thick, rich, dark coffee goes from thick, rich and dark to more of a caramello colour, like dirty water. Anybody know what I'm talking about? As it passes more and more water over the coffee beans, once all the oil of the coffee has been removed, it continues. If you leave it on, it continues to remove from the coffee more and more of the particles that are on the grind, but it's not removing any oil anymore. Now it's removing impurities and leftovers and stuff. And we give it a name. It's called over-extraction. The reason why we don't like it is because when you over-extract coffee, when you take too much from the bean, more 
from the bean that it has oil to give you. It's what gives coffee a bitter taste. Coffee has got a bad name in some people's mouths, even in this room tonight. And the reason why is not because of the coffee, because of, but because of the person who served it to you. Because they took more coffee than the bean had on offer. Man, I could preach the whole night just about making coffee. I'm, I'm making myself happy tonight, even if you aren't. I'm just, I'm just loving talking about my favourite drink. But the very fact that they took more from the coffee than the bean had to offer them put a bitter taste in your mouth when it should have been a sweet taste in your mouth. Now, I want you to understand that making coffee is a lot like knowing Jesus. What I want you to understand is that every time somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, it's kind of like a little bit of a few beans get added to a new puck. And the church was never designed by God to be all about, see, for many people, many Christians, their paradigm of Christianity kind of resembles, I've got a cup this big, I want to fill it with coffee, so I'm just going to keep running the water out until the cup gets filled. And then someone takes a sip of their breed of Christianity, and it's kind of like it tastes bitter to the mouth. And the reason why is because God never designed Christianity to be a process where we extract more and more from the same beans. See, let's put it this way. Every bean represents a person. And the church is supposed to be, it was intended by God to be a place where lost people connect with the God who made them. It was supposed to be about lost people being found and discovering a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen tonight. And that's exactly what the church was designed by God to accomplish. That you and I would take people who in my analogy are like beans and bring them to know Jesus. And every time somebody comes to know Jesus in the life of church, it's like another bean that produces some oil and gives a richness to the church. When the church takes its eyes off the harvest, then it becomes like a group of people who've got no new coffee beans, but we're just gonna keep running water over the same cup of coffee. I was in an airport lounge just the other day and I pressed long black. I never do that now. Because as soon as you press the the button on the automatic coffee machine, long black, what it does is just does exactly what I'm talking to you. It'll fill your cup with a lot of coffee-like water. But the first bit was legit coffee and the rest is just more water being passed over the same beans. And many times Christianity kind of feels like that. People have this paradigm that's kind of like, well, we're not going to go out there and win any more people to Jesus. But what we're going to do is we're just going to try, we've got to go deeper. That's what we've got to do. So now we're just going to have one more worship song. We're going to have one more teaching session. Oh man, the answer to our church is more prayer, more of the same, more on the inside, more with the same beans. Not knowing that all along, God said, no, 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 I didn't put you here so you could stay in a little holy huddle, hold hands and sing Kumbaya until Jesus returns. I put you here on this planet to be salt and to be light in your generation. Come on. 
And it kind of feels to me that there's a lot like coffee like there is in the church. My message title for you tonight is simply, the, uh, the oil is in the new beans. See, I've got this theory going on that what makes church exciting is not the depth of our teaching or even the kind of heights of our worship or the, the intercessory nature of our prayer or even the size of our gatherings. But it's actually the fact that people find Jesus Christ as the Lord and Saviour of their lives. New beans are what makes coffee exciting and new believers is what makes the church authentic. See, the Bible literally says God's saying to every follower of Christ hearing this message tonight, let me tell you why you're here. Every single one of us, we're here to be salt and to be light in our generation. He literally says, if salt loses saltiness, what is it? Basically, it's a mineral, but we can basically call it dirt. Christians without saltiness are just mud. He's saying light that doesn't shine. See, a Christian without a revelation of God's mission... See, the mission of God for the church is to be salt and light. That's why the series is about mission. That's why the oil is in the new beans. That's why the church is supposed to be devoted to winning lost people to Jesus. Because my friends, when a Christian has, has a alive, got a relationship with Jesus, but doesn't have mission in their heart, they're like a light bulb with a broken filament. All the power of God can flow through their life. But why would God put electricity? Why would God put His power? Why would God put His promise, come on, into a believer's life if everything He gives us causes no illumination? He wants us to be salt and He wants us to be light. God's wanting you and I to be salt and light in our generation. That's what He put us here for. We're here for a mission. I said a few things last week that I want to say again. I want to say this. Jesus doesn't have a mission for his church. See, a lot of people think that way. Like Christianity is kind of like you get in and then God thinks it would be a great optional extra if you got out into the world. No, no, I want you to understand that before God had a church, he had a mission. Why did Jesus come? You know the answer. He came because God had a mission. Jesus was on a mission from God. That's why he came here. He came because a lost world had no hope of salvation, no access into eternity, no permanent solution for their sin, no, no ability to be cleansed from every wrong in their life. And so Jesus came so that we could be forgiven of our sin. That was his mission. And now he said, now I'm going to birth my church because I'm rescuing people from hell. And he said, I will birth my church, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Somebody say amen. Shout, yeah boy. See, I want you to understand that Jesus had the mission before he birthed the church. So put it this way, God doesn't have a mission for his church. He has his church for the mission. Oh man. Now it changes something. Because I didn't join the church, I signed up for the mission. 
Come on, somebody. See, it's not about just ministry. It's not about just us perfecting the saints. Some believers are called into the ministry, but every believer is part of God's mission. We're all part of the mission. Turn the person next to you with a Blues Brothers voice and say, I'm on a mission from God. We're all on the mission. See, Jesus said, Jesus said, you enjoying this tonight? Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I said this last Sunday morning, but I reckon there were hundreds of people who might not have got to hear it. And I want you to catch it. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I want you to know, He never said, I will make you anything else. There's only one you God's making. And it's fishermen, fisherwoman. He said, you'll be salt, you'll be light, you'll be fishermen. He never said you'd be salt under a bush. He never said you'd be fishers of... There's no deep teachers. There's no deep, you know, there is only fishermen. Come on. Come on. Someone shout, yeah, boy. I say, I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, Ivan is, but I'm not an evangelist. But I'm here to tell you that God wants me to be a fisherman. He wants you to be a fisherman. He wants us to share about Him with people everywhere we go. Now, I broke this down last Sunday morning, but let me give it to you one more time. When it comes to fishing, basically, or can I just preface this? I, I hate fishing. They should call it waiting. And if you know me, you would know waiting is not something that I do. Waiting is not good. But, you know, when it comes to fishing, fishing is essentially about a rod, a reel, line, bait, and hook. And then basically what we do is we take the rod and throw it in the water. I mean, sorry. That's what I want to do. That's what I'd like to do. You take the hook and the bait and you throw it in the water. And fundamentally, the rest is up to the fish. So Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say you'd grab sticks of dynamite, throw it into the water and blow everything up. Come on, have you met those kind of Christians? Standing on boxes, you know, the side of the street. Eternal burn is Satan. He's going to get you. A few, you know, a few fish float up to the surface. The others are getting as far away as they possibly can. And God doesn't want us to be it. Jesus was the friend of sinners. That should, that should give you a clue about how Jesus fished. Come on. Lost people liked Jesus. They wanted to hang around Jesus. And what I've learned is that to be a fisher of men simply means that I take my bait, I take my hook, my rod, I throw the hook into the water and the rest is up to the fish. So every day, every day, you and I are called to be salt. Every day we're called to be light. Every day we're called to be fishers of men. This morning, I flew to Christchurch to preach. So, you know, 
I don't know why it is, but they always put me on row 1C when I flow in those little ATR planes. Those little two seats either side, propeller planes. You have to walk out to the plane. You hop on it, you know, and then I'm always in row 1C. And the flight attendant is just uncomfortably close. In fact, there's a lady from our church who literally does this job. I ran into her last Saturday. She comes to our church with that huge camp, and uh, this is her job. So, you know, the flight attendant sits there, and you're in one seat, and it's kind of like your knees are almost touching. Now, because I'm a pastor and I'm above reproach, I'm sort of sitting in my seat like this. How's your day going? Like, is this a, is anyone know, it's just a little bit awkward, you know? But, you know, sitting in that seat, every time I sit down... I'm fishing. So, you know, if I get into the conversation, you know, she's going to say to me, you know, what do you do? Well, glad you asked. I pastor a church. That's either a great conversation starter or a great conversation finisher. It's either like, let's talk more or I don't want to talk at all. In fact, in fact, last Sunday in the afternoon, I took Pastor Obed Martinez and a few of the American pastors out shopping around our great downtown Wellington. They loved it. We walked into this one shop and this you know, shop worker there says, man, you guys all look pretty cool. Where have you been today? Well, we said, we said we've been at church. And I swear to you, she literally just looked at us and went, great. Turned around and just walked away. It's like she was walking towards us. Where have you been today? Church. Great. I broke the spirit of rejection off my life and got on with my shopping. But you know, I just started talking to this girl on the plane this morning, telling her what I do. I don't have to go and go, have you heard of the four steps to peace with God? Are you right with Jesus or are you going to... I'm just fishing. I'm just fishing. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I passed the church and that's why I'm going to Christ Church. You know, I'm speaking down there this morning and, you know, it's just, we've, got, we've got a part of our church that's down there and part of it that's in Hamilton. And so, you know, I just move around a little bit. And then she just asked me more. Then I'm throwing out more. What am I doing? I'm just, just, just seeing what happens. I'm here to tell you, I, I've prayed for flight attendants on planes. I've, I've prayed for the person next to me. I've had people sitting next to me on the plane in tears because they found that I was a pastor. They're going through some kind of thing. I've led people to the Lord, had trainers from the gym who come to our church now, and God's done all sorts of things. But it's not like I'm out there every day trying to be this radical, crazy dude. Sinner! Come on, man. Just fishing. Just fishing. Just being public with your faith. You know, on, on one day in November last year, Jillian and I both took weddings. I took the wedding of our next door neighbours. Don't come to our church, never have. And Jillian took the wedding for our cleaner. Has been to our church once, came to the Christmas production. Now her husband is the coach of my son's rugby team. I see him twice a week. Been through our, our premarital course, these couples heard about, you know, what we believe about how to build a strong marriage, setting them up for a three, three strand cords, not easily broken, not just you two, you need God in the mix. Come on, it's just fishing. 
God just wants every person in this room knowing that it's our job to be salt and to be light. The Bible literally says, God is not a secret to be kept. What did you do yesterday? Went to church. (coughs) Wow, I had to clear my throat there. What did you say you did yesterday? Went to church. (coughs) Wow, this lecture is really heavy. Come on, man. I reckon Christians should be more excited about what happened to them in going to church on a Sunday than the person who can't even remember the party they went to on Saturday. Come on. He's looking for somebody who's just going to be on a mission. On a mission. I'm here to be light. God doesn't want me to hide. You know what's amazing? This verse is in red. Whenever it's in red, take peculiar notice because it means Jesus said it. And he said, now that I've made you light, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, 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 no. Now that I've made you light, I'm going to put you up high and I want the world to see you. Come on, church. I talked with a lady between services, probably about 19 years old. She said, all my friends are out drinking bourbon tonight. And they invited me to come with them. She's not a, not a Christian. She said, all my friends are out there having bourbon. But I told them, I don't want to go out with you. And then she said, I can't tell them. They don't really get it. But I wanted to come here. Because when I'm in a church service with you guys, she said, you're all loving. You're all positive. You're all upbeat. You're all fun to be around. And you don't, I don't want to get drunk. I want to, I want to enjoy my life. Guys, we've got a sellable message here. It's not a tough deal. Come on. But we just got to let the world know that Jesus is alive. Come on, somebody's deciding to go public with this message tonight. To let people all around them know that Jesus is alive and real and changed his destinies, sets hearts free. The church is the best party on offer. It is. See, it's all about the new bean. Say it with me tonight. The oil is in the new bean. There's no way you and I just get to sit around and enjoy the same status quo and expect God's blessing to remain on us. Put it another way. God's looking for obedience and not for offerings. He is. Because sometimes Christians think that if they come to enough prayer meetings, do enough courses, lift their hands enough in worship, that God's going to pour out an encounter upon their life. Not knowing that He doesn't bring encounters to offerings. He said, no, 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 I'm looking for obedience. And when people decide to go public with their faith, then watch what God will do. Watch how close you'll feel His presence. Watch how alive you'll become in Him. Watch what will take place in your life simply because you decided to go public. The oil is in the new bean. See, I'll never forget when we first started Horizon, a guy by the name of Errol gave his life to the Lord. He wouldn't mind me telling you, but he gave his life to the Lord because his sister died of cancer. But before she died, he was a hurry Krishna. 
And at his, on her deathbed, she said, would you do me a favor? I'm about to die, but would you go to church? Would you discover Jesus? And he said, I'll go to church. I'll check it out. He walked into a rise service, gave his life to the Lord. I was the only guy free midweek to follow him up. So every week we sat in a cafe in Newtown, drank coffee because it's God's drink. And we went through new believers materials. Well, I'm telling you, recently I flew on NZ1. That's the trunk line of Air New Zealand. Goes from here to Los Angeles, then on to Heathrow, London. NZ1, the mothership of all of Air New Zealand. And who do you think was the flight attendant running? I think they call him the concierge, running the entire aircraft. Something like 370 people on that aeroplane. And who's in charge? Errol. See, my friends, you never know what God's going to do through your life. If you simply decide to be salt and light in a generation for Jesus. Come on. The oil is in the new bean. This week, we saw, sorry, three weeks ago, we started Elevate in Hamilton. Somebody shout, yeah, boy. And after we started, you know, the opening night, you know, one of the All Blacks tweeted about it. That's always helpful. But on the opening night, on the, on the opening night, it was just packed out, something like 50 decisions. In the last three weeks, we've seen 100 teenagers respond to say, I want Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my... How many people reckon that's amazing? Come on, it's phenomenal. So week two was amazing. This last Wednesday, Thursday, 170 teenagers on week three. I think either 15 or 25 decisions on a single night. I call up Azan. Azan. Great name that. He's Maori, but it sounds like he's not, doesn't it? In fact, there's a movie called Azan the Terrorist. And uh, <laughs> literally, we've never found the movie, but we've got the trailer. And in the Hamilton office, we play it to Azan. Just to, you know. Anyway, Azan, he you know, runs Elevate up there. He's absolutely awesome, Azan. I rang him up and said, how you doing? He said, I can hardly sleep. Why? Because the oil is in the new bean. Come on. Oh, we could sit in the same boring environment and make it all about us and what we're getting out of it. And is the teaching deep enough? Is the worship authentic enough? Authentic enough? Man, God never called us to be authentic. He called us to be filled with faith. Heaven's the only authentic place on the world. All the rest of us. But his arms alive. Why? Because people are coming to know Jesus. Because we're about a mission, church. See, God wants every believer alive with his mission. Every single believer alive with his mission. Knowing that the reason why we are here is for his mission. Jesus said, let me tell you why you are here. You're here for a mission. See, what makes church exciting is mission. The oil is in the new beans. It's what gives it the sweetness. It's what gives it the freshness. See, let me put it to you this way. What's a home if it doesn't have love and family? What a home is without love and family is what a church is without a mission. See, if a home has no love and no family, we call it a house. Because without love and family, it's a house, but it isn't a home. The church without a mission is not 
a revival, it's a religion. A religion is when it's dead, when it's stale, when it's deprived. It's the building, but not the spirit. But when church is filled with a mission, when every believer is walking in the doors of this church on a Sunday saying, it's not about me. When you're walking in the foyer saying, who doesn't know Jesus? When your life is filled with your neighbours and your friends and the others in your world, and you're trying to share with them about who you are, when every day you're going fishing, then man, Christianity isn't a religion. It's a revival. It's alive. It's got spirit. It's got joy. I went to this huge leaders meeting just after we finished our O-Week outreach during the university orientation outreach. And I went about three weeks later to the leaders meeting. And Ben says, let's get a few leaders up here to tell good stories about what God's been doing through, you know, in your area of, of Arise, area of huge. Well, one leader after another is just getting, I'm like, Ben, I don't need to preach. Let them preach. Let them tell their stories. Because they're up there saying, I talked to this person, no church background. They were open, been to church, finding out more about Jesus Christ. Another person gets up there telling a story. I mean, that pump, man. Brad Page gets up there, tells about a lady he'd led to the Lord, I think two weeks before that, crying as he's telling the story, not because he's a wuss, because it's moving when you change lives. It was absolutely amazing. I was so stirred. But the oil is in the new bean. See, what makes church exciting is mission. See, Elevate. Elevate exists so that we can win high schools for Jesus Christ. Some elevators shout, yeah, boy. boy. Huge exists so that we can win university campuses for Jesus. Someone shout, yeah, boy. boy. But listen, it's about every age and stage. You know, God's given to our church huge open doorways to teach Bible in schools. It's literally in our New Zealand law that churches and and people of religion have to be allowed into schools for 30 minutes every week to talk about religious things. Well, I reckon that what they need to see is not just a grandma who's 65, although God bless her, I'm not speaking against her. But they need to see someone in their 30s, someone in their 20s, someone in their early 40s, who's part of a vibrant and alive church who actually loves Jesus, got some energy, saying to a whole new generation of New Zealanders, my Jesus is alive. He loves people. Come on, somebody needs to be salt and light. We're on a mission. Come on. It's about children's about mission. Young Inc. Come on, if you're over 25, you're in Young Inc. You got a salary. Somebody shout amen. (laughs) Enjoy it. Enjoy it and save. But anyway, (laughs) you never have more money than you do right now, I'm telling you. But you know, if you're part of Young Inc., it's not just a kind of, we're going to sit around and drink cappuccinos. It's not about that. It's about the fact that this city has more young workers, people between the ages of 25 and 30, 18 to 30, more people in that age bracket than any other city in our nation by an over 10%. This is the young workers capital of New Zealand. And so we have Young Inc. because it exists to win your workplace to Jesus Christ. 
Come on, because people move to Wellington are looking for hope, looking for life, looking for friends. And we exist to win a workplace. Young family life groups. It's about the fact that you go from someone who's got a whole day to hang out to basically 90 minute sound bites in between feeds, nappy changes and sleeps. Come on, if you've got young kids, you know what I'm talking about. And it can be a lonely stage. So what better than a young family life group filled with people who are great parents, well, trying to be, you know, and are also just loving and kind and know Jesus. Come on, we got, we got adult life groups so that we can win communities to life to Jesus. Young family life groups so we can win young families to Jesus. Young ink life groups so that we can win our workplace to Jesus. A young adults ministry, so can we, we can win university campuses. We can win high schools. We can win our world. We're on a mission from God. Come on, somebody shout mission. We're on a mission. Ben can come up and join me. See, every single one of us needs to know that the oil is in the new bean. This is what makes the church authentic. It's what makes the church alive. Is that the oil is in the new bean. So I, I truly believe like our church is you know, called by God to just always be about the mission. Every believer about the mission. You don't have to catch the fish. You have to go fishing. And then Jesus can empower you to catch them. But every single one of us needs to go public with our faith. If you lose your saltiness, how do people taste godliness? And then how's that final line? By being generous with your lives, by opening up your lives, you'll encourage people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. It's just about living a life that's inviting to other people. And I reckon all over this room, there are people tonight who are just saying, John, I know I'm on a mission. God's put a mission in my life. And imagine what's possible if thousands of people across New Zealand decide that we're going to live with a mission from Jesus Christ in our lives every day, every month, every... I think our PowerPoint boys might have Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you do, can you put it up on the screen? Can you hear me, lads? Acts 1 verse 8. Nice side profile. They don't have it. Okay, I gave it to them before the service, but that's all right. Acts 1 verse 8. Do you know what day it is today? It's Pentecost Sunday. Today. Where 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And you know what Jesus said about this day 2,000 years ago? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my... Come on, shout it. Witnesses. Witnesses. So what's this day always been about? Salt and light. Mission. Why do we need the power of God in our lives? So that it is seen on our countenance, expressed in our lives, present in our interactions, visible in the way that we live so that we can be a witness for Jesus. 
Let His light shine out of us. Make a difference in the world in which we live. Be contagious with this great faith we've been entrusted.